What an awesome opportunity to, to worship him today. Before we dismiss our children uh, to go and, and have their time of worship together and their worship service, uh, before we do that, we want to uh, have a time of prayer together as our church family. Uh, we call it family prayer time. We have done this for years and years and years. And, and uh, we just want to give you an opportunity to come, we'll open these altars to you, allow you to come pray together, perhaps as a family, maybe a, a decision that you're facing, something going on, maybe you just uh, want to bring to the Lord. We've got a prayer chest up here filled with names of people we've been praying for, uh, that they would be saved, that they would come to know Christ. And uh, God's answered a lot of those prayers, but we want to continue uh, lifting those to the throne this morning. Uh, so if you'd like to come this morning, I invite you to do so at this time. And while you're coming, uh, just a reminder, continue remember Ray Gerard in your prayers as he continues to uh, battle uh, cancer. Uh, Carl Maxine McGee, Carl's been, uh, is here in Greenbrier over at the nursing home uh, this weekend. Going to be there for a few days as they, uh, Maxine tries to get a little stronger from the treatments she's undergoing uh, for cancer. Charlie Pittman's going to get to go home today and, and uh, will be under uh, some care there in their home. But we praise God that he's getting to go home. I know uh, it'll be a great day for them. And then uh, this morning right before church, I was, uh, got a call that Tim Snowden uh, is in the hospital and is having some surgery done this morning, some uh, complications due to diabetes. And uh, we just want to remember Tim in our prayers uh, today and then in the days ahead as well. So if you'd like to come this morning, uh, we just want to join together in prayer and a uh, great opportunity uh, this morning as a church family to approach the throne of God as we bring our needs, our cares, our concerns, our praises to him today. Uh, but let's join together this morning. God, uh, uh, your, your presence here has been so real and so evident today. It's, it's truly uh, uh, incredible to, to see and experience. What a lesson for us that as we worship you and, and we approach the throne and we sing our praises to you and, and we sing of how wonderful you've been to us, your incredible love for us, the power of your Holy Spirit that works in and through our lives, God, as we sing those songs and and we worship you, uh, just how close we are to you, that we're drawn to you in our, our worship and our praise. And God, uh, I pray that we could take away from that, that uh, to, to be closer to you the other six days and throughout the week uh, to, to worship you brings us into your presence even closer and stronger. And, and so God, we don't want to, we don't want to just do that here, but may that become a, a normal part of our routine, a normal part of our lives that uh, as we worship you, we would be drawn even closer to you and uh, allow you to work in and through our lives. We mentioned these this morning, the prayer requests, but uh, you know, these are the ones that we know about, but I know there are so many that, that are represented here this morning that we haven't mentioned, we haven't spoken out loud. You know the things that people have, have carried in here with them. You know the, the concerns, the burdens, the question, uh, the, the illness, the sickness, all those that are battling the flu. You know each and every situation in all of our lives today, dear God, and we're grateful and thankful that today we can approach the, your throne boldly uh, with those things.
things. You're a healing God. You're a saving God. Uh, you're a God that we can have hope in. We're God, you're, you're a God that has a plan, a perfect plan uh, for us today and tomorrow and for the future. And so, God, uh, we can trust you with these things that we've been carrying on our own. And I pray that today would be a day that uh, uh, perhaps some people would set some things aside. They would give you their, their illness. They would give you their struggle. They would give you their, their finances. They would, they would give you whatever it is today, uh, God, that, that is causing them defeat, causing them heartache and hurt uh, in their lives, God, that they would trust you with it. We pray for those that are sick. We pray for those that are battling cancer. Uh, God, we, we always are grateful and thankful for the nurses and, and the doctors and all the people that, that you do your work through each and every day. Uh, we're grateful and thankful for them, but God, we also know that you can go beyond what they can do. You can do so much more, and God, your word tells us that, that we're, we're to ask for healing, and so those that we love, those that we know that are suffering today through illness, through cancer, whatever it may be, God, do a work in their life. I just pray that today would be a special day, that they would sense uh, your presence, your touch upon them in their lives, physically, emotionally, spiritually, uh, whatever the need may be today. God, we continue to pray for our church today. We've been so blessed. You, you uh, laid it on the hearts of some people over 100 years ago to plant a church here at this location, and you've done a great work in and through your people. God, we know you're not finished yet. We know you're not done. God, we know uh, and believe that our best days are ahead of us and that if we'll be faithful and obedient to what you want to do in and through us, God, that you'll do miraculous and amazing things in and through our, our, our church. And so, God, lead us, guide us, show us how to do that, what you would have us to do. I pray we'd be faithful with the gospel message uh, of Jesus, uh, God. And as we join the other churches in this community that are doing the exact same thing that we are today, maybe a different name over the door, but it's the same Jesus, the same blood, the same salvation power, uh, God, that they're, they're preaching and speaking of today. I pray that you would use us all to bring you glory and to build your kingdom in this community that you've called us to. God, I pray for our kids now as they go to their, their time of worship together. I pray that your word would be planted deep in their hearts. God, that you would do a work in their lives. You would raise up a new generation of Sunday school teachers, a new generation of worship leaders, a new generation of missionaries and, and, and preachers and teachers, God, and, and, and a new generation that will take the torch and carry it on uh, into eternity doing your work and the call to make disciples. God, again, we want you to know how much we love you. We thank you for your everlasting love, for your amazing love for us. It's in Jesus' powerful name that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. We want to dismiss our kids to go to Children's Church this morning. And uh, for those of you that may drive around the back of the building, you can see that we are making progress on building them a new worship center. We're excited about that. We want to thank those of you that have uh, given toward the building fund. Every penny that comes into that building fund is money that we don't have to borrow and pay interest on. We want to thank you for that. And maybe you would want to continue giving toward uh, that cause, uh, hopefully within the next few months, we'll see uh, that completed. And uh, so we're excited about what God's doing. Uh, if you're uh, here this morning and, and uh, maybe you're a little more seasoned than some of the rest of us, we, we, 
wouldn't want to call you old, but uh, we, have, we have a group of people that gets together at least once a month. It's called our SAGE group, Senior Adult Godly Encouragers. Uh, they get together and eat. They do a lot of fun activities. Uh, their, their next get-together is planned for this Tuesday night. Going to be a little Valentine celebration. I believe it's going to start at 5.30. It's potluck. Uh, some of them are phenomenal cooks. Uh, some of them are not, but we'll let you decide which is which. I'm kidding. They're all good cooks. Uh, but they have a great time. They have a lot of fun. They eat a lot. They fellowship a lot. And uh, maybe you'd feel like you fall in. I believe it's 55 and older is kind of the age that they put on it. Uh, but they'll take anybody regardless of age. And so uh, don't forget about that. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me uh, to the New Testament, the book of Ephesians. And again, I want to welcome you if you're a guest here today that's visiting with us for maybe the first time. It's great to have you. Thank you for coming and, and, and making the, the decision on purpose to, to come and, and join us today. Uh, there's some cards in the back of the seat backs there. Uh, if you've never filled one of those out, we'd love for you to fill that out. You can leave it laying in your chair. If you take it to the Welcome Center, they'll give you a gift back there uh, in exchange for that. Uh, but uh, we just want to know who you are and that you're here and to let you know we're blessed uh, that you joined us today. I'm excited uh, you're here because we're starting a, a new series this week and it's going to be focused and, and based out of the, the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians is often referred to uh, by uh, scholars and, and uh, theologians as, as God's love letter uh, to the church. And uh, I believe over the next few weeks that you're going to have a better understanding as we go through it why it's referred to as God's love letter to the church. But more importantly, my prayer is that you won't just see this as a letter that is written to the church, but you'll see it as a love letter that God has written to you personally, that he wrote this letter to you, uh, for you, uh, because after, it all, after all, it is the month of love, right? Uh, Wednesday is Valentine's, guys. Don't mess that up, all right? Uh, you want to take the opportunity to get that right uh, this coming Wednesday uh, because, hey, the, the spring fishing bite is uh, fastly approaching. And so uh, you, you want to take care of your wife so you can go fishing uh, later. Uh, but seriously, we all, we all enjoy being told or shown that someone loves us, Right? I mean, we want to be loved. No, nobody wants to, to feel like no one loves them or no one cares about them. And, and, and we all want to be shown or told that we're loved, whether it's through a letter that someone uh, might write us or, or maybe a card or maybe through a gift, some flowers or candy or whatever it may be. Uh, text messages. We talk a lot uh, in the marriage group that we do. Uh, a lot of women will express the fact that they like to just know that, you know, their, their husband or their spouse is thinking about them throughout the day and send them a text message and it always kind of makes us feel special to know that someone's thinking of us or someone uh, loves us. And, and the awesome thing that we're going to see today and over the next few weeks is just how much God loves you. 
All right, uh, it's going to be incredible over the, the next few weeks, I believe, as we unpack uh, God's love letter that is written, written to us, not only as the church, but is written to us as individuals and personally. Uh, first things first, I think it's important that we understand kind of the context of this letter, what it's about, who it was written to. It's called the book of Ephesians, uh, but it's actually a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church that was in Ephesus, all right, the city called Ephesus, and, and uh, uh, it's important that we know that. It's only six chapters long, but a lot of scholars, and if you read it and study it, uh, a lot of people say that it's really probably the masterpiece of Paul's writing in the New Testament. He wrote much of the New Testament, but a lot of people feel that the book of Ephesians was really his greatest work uh, uh, that, that he wrote. The first three chapters are filled with these beautiful truths that talks about the process of how God loves us and, and, and the salvation process. It's about who God is and, and what he's done uh, for us. And then the last three chapters are, are, are more... Uh, what you might call practical uh, instruction for life. Some of the most practical instruction that you find uh, anywhere else in the scripture. It covers topics from marriage uh, to forgiveness to conflict uh, resolution to, to family and workplace relationships uh, along with many other day-to-day -day issues uh, that we all in, encounter in our lives. But we can't just look at Ephesus as this you know, great book of doctrine or great book of theology or even uh, as just a practical guide for living uh, because Ephesians was written first and foremost basically as a survival guide for the church. All right, it was written as, as basically a survival guide for the church there in Ephesus uh, because the church was planted. This church was in a city that was a very hostile environment toward Christianity. All right, it was a large city. It was a multicultural city. Uh, many different religions were worshipped and studied and uh, over 50 different temples that were in Ephesus that had all these different kinds of religious uh, beliefs. Uh, and, and sexual immorality was, was literally an industry there. Uh, a lot of the temples, it, it was a, a form of worship. Prostitution was a form of worship in, in some of these temples. And so there was just all of this, you know, craziness. Uh, you know, basically, they might say back in, in that time, whatever happened in Ephesus stayed in Ephesus uh, unless it was contagious. And then you carried it with you the rest of your life. But, but it, it was just one of these, these places that was uh, very hostile. I, I, I don't even know where that came from. I didn't say it in early. My, my wife was here to proof the sermon in the early service and everything approved, but I'm afraid that probably didn't. But, but, but anyway, it just, sexual immorality was, was terrible there in Ephesus. Uh, a very Christian, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't a Christian friendly place. Uh, at all, uh, which is why I believe it makes this letter so timely uh, for us today uh, and relevant for us today because many of you are in environments each and every day that may not be very friendly uh, to your faith, very friendly to Christianity. For some of you, it could be school. For some of you, it could be uh, workplace. Uh, for some of you, even your family. 
Uh, we have church planners uh, and missionaries in the Church of the Nazarene all around the world uh, that literally are in places today, right now, where it is illegal to live out your Christian faith and to speak of, of Jesus Christ. And so we're going to dive into this book over the next few weeks. I'm excited about it because I believe that it will show us how we can survive and not only survive, but even thrive in those places and those kinds of environments. So let's pick up our text this morning, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Uh, we're going to start at verse 3. And Paul starts right off here uh, with, with a concept that many people find confusing and and difficult. Uh, this morning, I'm going to challenge you to put on your theological big boy pants because there's, uh, you know, we're going to jump right into something here that's very controversial for a lot of people. Uh, it's confusing, difficult to understand, but it's the subject of predestination. Uh, and Paul just addresses it right off the bat, starting in verse number three. So let's pick it up there when Paul writes this to the church and to us. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. And then let's skip down to, to verse number 11. He goes on to say, In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. So we see this concept, we see this idea here of predestination. Right? Verse 4 says that God chose us in him before the creation of the world. Verse 5, it says that God predestined us uh, to be adopted. Verse 11, he predestined uh, according to his plan. Which when we see that and we read that, it raises all kinds of questions for us. Right? What about free will? What, what about free will or, or, or why does God choose some people but not choose uh, other people? And, and those are great questions and, and I believe we'll, we'll get to those and cover those here in just a few minutes. But first, I think it's important that we ask this. That we look at this, this that, that Paul has written here, we look at it and we go, okay, what is it exactly that Paul is teaching? It's important that we know what is it exactly that Paul is, is saying to us? What's he trying to, to, to teach us? What's the point that he's trying to make here? And that's important. And then the second thing that is important for us to look at is this. Why is he saying this? Why is he teaching this? Why is he telling us this? Why is this important to us? So what exactly is he saying here? What exactly are these scriptures saying to us here? Well, let's go back to verse 4 and notice where it talks about uh, where we were chosen. Verse 4, he said, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Now, I don't want you to miss what God is saying to you right here uh, in this scripture. Before the world was ever established, he knew you and he loved you. Before the world was ever created, he knew who you were. He knew you. He knew all about you. 
and he loved you. Now, now doesn't that make you feel special? Doesn't it? I mean, doesn't that make you feel loved? There has never been a time in all of eternity when the God of the universe did not know you and did not love you. He had a plan for you to redeem you and to save you from your sin. He loved you that much. He loved you. He loves you. Now, some people might try to argue that this verse means something different, that it means that God just simply knew beforehand who would choose him. Right? It's as if he, he looked down into the future thousands and thousands of years ago. And he, he said, oh, look, in, you know, in 1975, Steve is going to choose me. And so I'm going to choose him back. Right? And so that's not what this verse is saying here. That's not how it works. That's not what it's talking about. Don't miss this. From verse number 3 until verse 14. And we're not going to read it all this morning. But I want to summarize. From verse 3 to verse 14, we see the process of our salvation. We see it from the beginning until it ends. And, and don't miss this. God is the one taking all the action here. God is the one doing this. Between verse 3 and verse 14. There are 24 verbs or, or 24 different actions that take place in those scripture. 24. God does 20 of them. And the other four is on us, right? But look, God, uh, verse 3, God blesses. Verse 4, God chooses. Verse 5, God predestines. God adopts. In verse 6, God gives his grace. In verse 7, God redeems and God forgives. In verse 8, God lavishes. In verse 9, he makes known and he purposes. Verse number 10, he unites together in Christ. Verse 11, God works. Verse 13, God seals. Oh, how he loves us. You see what Paul's trying to tell you here? This is how he loves you. He loves you this much. Now listen to the four that we do. Listen to the four that's our responsibility. We listen, we receive, we believe, and we hope. That's on us. That's on us that we listen, we receive, we believe, and we hope. So what part of salvation are we responsible for? I heard someone say it like this one time. We did all the sinning and he did all the saving. <laughs> right? We had nothing to do with it. We did all the sinning and he did all the, the saving and it wasn't about our potential. It wasn't how good uh, that, that, that we are. God didn't look at us and see how great we are and choose us. I love how he describes it to his chosen people of Israel. In, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, evidently, maybe they were feeling pretty good about themselves because God had chose them and, and they were the chosen people. And God kind of steps back, and I love the way he says it here in chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. The Lord did not set his affection on you. This is a message to them. God didn't, the Lord didn't set his affection on you and choose you because you were great. Because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because, why? The Lord loved you. He didn't choose them because they were great. He didn't choose you because you were great. <laughs> Hate to burst your bubble, right? That's not why he chose you. That's not why he chose them. They became great, why? Because he chose them. You will only be great because he chose you. Right? And, and we only amount to anything in this world because he chose us. 
He picked us. Over in chapter 2 here, the, the book of Ephesians, of this letter, Paul says that you were dead in your trespasses and sin. All right? You get that? You were dead? That's not partly dead. I, I think the, in, in The Prince's Bride or something like that, they talked about, well, he was only mostly dead. No, if you're dead, you're dead, right? Dead is dead. Paul said, you're dead. You're dead in your sin. And, and, and so he didn't choose us because we had any life about us. We were dead and stinky dead, right? He didn't choose us because we were even lovable. Paul will also go, over, go on to say over in chapter 2 uh, of this letter that not only were we dead, but he says because of our sin, we were enemies to Christ. Not only were you dead, but you were his enemy. Why in the world would he pick you? <laughs> you were dead, stinky dead. You were his enemy. So what about it? What about you caused him to choose you? To, to pick you, well, that's part of the mystery of God. But, but he says uh, right here in, in verse 8 that it was because he loved you. And that love really has no explanation. Sometimes the mysteries of God we just won't ever understand. It's too deep for our minds. But he says, it's because I love you. Think about it like this. I love my kids. Why? Why do I love my kids? Because they're my kids. Right? They weren't always lovable. I've said it before. Matter of fact, the first few years of their life, they didn't give me any reason whatsoever to love them. <laughs> they kept me awake. They peed. They pooped. They were constantly puking. We had, we had uh, when we put carpet in our house, we specifically told them we need formula colored carpet <laughs> because our kids would just crawl around and they'd just leave a trail puking formula all over the house. Why did I love them? I had no reason to love them, right? But I loved them anyway. Why? Because they were mine. They, they, were, they were my kids. I loved them because they were my children. Listen, before you had ever done anything good, before you had ever done anything bad, before the creation of this world, God set his love on you. But don't miss this. The fact that he chose you and the fact that he loves you doesn't do away with your free will that he gave you. All right? Yes, God says here in the Bible, without a doubt, it's not, not even debatable. God says right here, I chose you before the creation of the world. But Jesus goes on to say when he shows up, but whosoever will may come. That puts it on you. Whosoever will may come is what Jesus said. He chose you. He loves you. But he also gave you a free will to be able to choose him and, and, and to love him. It's not forced. It's not preset. And it's not predestined. The choice that you will make. What is predestined is that he loved you. What is predetermined is that he chose you, but it's still your decision. It's always on us. It's always on us. Second Peter in chapter 3 and verse 9 says that the Lord doesn't want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. He wants that for everyone, but it's your choice. 
The Bible itself even ends in Revelation chapter 22 with that phrase again saying, Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. It's your choice. It's your choice. Don't miss this. If you are a Christian here today, it's because God chose you. If not, it's because you chose to reject him. Let's skip on down to verse number 13 because I want you to, to, to see this morning how P Paul finishes his explanation of what God did when he saved us. Look at this, verse number 13. When you believed, I love this, you were marked in him with a seal. All right, the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession don't miss this, to the praise of his glory. Don't miss this, you were sealed. Paul says, you, you gotta get this, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. And the reason I love this is because in this one chapter alone, we see the entire Trinity involved in the process of our salvation. We see all three here. The Father purposes, the Son redeems, and the Holy Spirit seals the deal. Right? Our salvation comes through the work of the entire Godhead, the whole Trinity. And, and the word that's used here, sealed, basically means this. Don't miss this. God is going to finish what he started. All right? That's what it means to be sealed by the Holy Spirit. It means that he's going to finish the work that he started. The deposit that Paul is talking about here would have been a reference to earnest money. Some of you are familiar with what it means to pay down some earnest money. Sometimes when you make a deal or you make an agreement, you will put down a, a, a sum of money basically showing that you're serious, right? So that the other person will know that you will be back. You're giving them this earnest money. Why? So they will know you're going to be back to complete the deal, right? To complete the, the agreement. It shows that you're serious uh, uh, about the, the, the covenant or the, the commitment there. That's exactly what God does. Paul's trying to explain it here so we can understand it. He makes a deposit. Uh, uh, oh, this is so good. He makes a deposit of himself. The Holy Spirit into your life, all right? That's the deposit that is made. It's the earnest money that is put down. He is depositing a piece of himself into your life. Why? For the praise of his glory. That's why he's doing it. For the praise of his glory. So what is it that Paul's saying here? I hope the sound of this this morning, because I'm yelling. <laughs> I hope the sound of this this morning rings in your ears and it rings in your heart this morning. What he's saying is this. You are chosen. That's what he's saying. You are chosen according to the purpose of God, by the power of God, for the glory of God. He chose you. He loves you that much. That's what he's saying. So why is he telling us that? Why, why is he going to such extremes to, to try to get us to understand it and to see it and to hear what he's saying? Why is he telling you this today? What's the purpose in knowing this? Well, I believe there's a long list of reasons, but... Uh, uh, based on time, I just want to give you a couple that I think are really important today. Number one is this. He wants you to have an assurance during your struggles. He wants you to know he chose you. He wants you to know he loves you because he wants you to have an assurance when you face struggles. He, he wants you to have that. Here's the deal. If we know salvation began in the purpose of God, 
then what God starts, he's going to finish, right? We know he's going to finish it, right? Listen, every Christian that I've ever known or ever talked to to some degree whatsoever has struggled at some point in their life, in their journey with Jesus. They've struggled with the fact of whether or not they could be saved. They've questioned it. And if we're all honest, we probably at some point in time may have questioned it because we look at what's going on in our hearts sometimes and think, can I really be a Christian and think that? <laughs> Am I really saved? Because if I was really saved, I wouldn't have thought that thought, right? And, and, and we, we do that, right? Can I really be a Christian and, and, and struggle with these things that I struggle with? I feel like you've thought it because I've thought it. Right? Listen to me. If God, this, this is so good. If God didn't choose you because you were good, all right, if he didn't choose you because of your goodness, if he didn't choose you because of your greatness, listen, he's not depending on your goodness to keep you following him. It's not dependent on that at all. One thing that I've learned over and over and over and over again is this. My flesh is weak. I, but, but you know what? I stand on Philippians 1, 6 because I have confidence because of this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you is going to complete it. He who began a good work in you is going to carry it out, uh, uh, carry it on to completion. And if you want to be saved, if you want to do right, if you want to please God, if you want to bring glory to God, I would just tell you that is evidence that God is at work in your life, Right? Because you want to you do right. You want to bring glory and honor to him. The Bible says basically this. All we have to do is say yes. Listen, receive, and believe, right? And hope. That's what we're called to do. Say yes. That's all it takes. And you can have this assurance. You can be confident that he is going to complete what he started in your life if you choose him. The second reason that I think this is so very important to us today, and I believe Paul was sharing this with the church at Ephesus that was going through everything that they were having to go through there in their community, is this. It will give us strength when we fail. It'll give us strength after failure. The truth of this love letter from God gives us the power, listen, to get back up after we've fallen. This gives us the power and the hope and the encouragement to get back up after uh, we fail. Now, you know what? I know, I know that what God starts, He's going to finish. I know that. I can be sure that even though today may have been consumed with defeat, that God has predestined and planned that tomorrow be a day of victory. That's His plan. Even though today may have been horrible, tomorrow could be a better day because that's God's plan. He predestined it. Look at verse 4 again. For he chose us in him before creation of the world. Why? To be holy and to be blameless in his sight. That was his plan. That was his purpose is that we would be holy and blameless in his sight. He chose us. He predestined us so that our lives would be filled with good works to the praise of his glory. That was his plan. And here's the awesome news about all this. This means that the burden of me fixing all of my problems is not on me. It's on him. Right? I don't have to carry that burden anymore. That burden's not mine. The burden of fixing my life is not on me. God's already supplied the power for it. And the plan. 
And I know I talk to people all the time that feel so defeated. And you think, how am I ever going to fix this? How am I ever going to get over this lust? How am I ever going to fix my marriage? How will I ever be a bold witness uh, for God? And if that's what you're thinking, you've got the wrong view of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's not what it's all about. The good work that God has for you, he's already predestined for you. He's already predestined that and he has already provided the power for you to do it. And he said he will complete what he has started. Trust him with that. Trust him with that. Listen, you can be confident in, in, in his plan to use you because that's why he said he chose you is to use you. John 15, 16, uh, Jesus said this, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You just have to say yes and let me do all the work. You just have to say yes and let me save you. You just have to uh, just, just lay there right now and let me fix you, please. Let me pat you up. All we have to do is say yes. And he chose us and he saved us. Why? Why did he do that? To the praise of his glory. And so that other people would see him too. So that we could bring other people to Jesus. This is why scriptures teach us that we are chosen. It's not to unravel the mysteries of the past. It's not to understand the things that happened thousands and thousands of years ago. That's, that's not why he chose us. It wasn't to unravel the mysteries of how God has worked in the past, but it's to give you a confidence of what God wants to do in your future. That's what it's all about. What he wants to do in the days ahead. And, and you shouldn't sit around uh, worrying about why God saved you instead of your unbelieving friends. You should understand that he saved you for the sake of your non-believing friends. That's why he chose you. That's why he saved you. You should understand that he saved you for the sake of those who are lost. And here's the deal. All this means when you fail. All, all this means that when you fail miserably as a Christian, and, and you will sometimes, and you probably already have, but here's what this means. You can have the strength to get back up. Matter of fact, Proverbs says in, in chapter 24 and verse 16, look here, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. <laughs> You see what he's saying? Seven, the number of completion, the seven number of perfection. Seven would be a lot of times to actually fall down. I mean, if you were behind somebody at Walmart and you saw them fall, you'd be like, ah, you know, that wasn't good. And then they get up and then they fall again. And then you get your camera out and you start, you know, videoing them because this person has a really serious issue. And they get up and they fall again. And they get up and they fall again. They get up and they fall again. Seven times would be a lot of falling. And getting back up, would it not? Don't miss this. Some of you are discouraged by how much you fall. Listen, a Christian doesn't show his or her righteousness by never falling, but what he or she does after they fall. They get back up. Falling just demonstrates that we're not perfect. Falling just demonstrates that we're not perfect and getting back up when you do fall demonstrates that you believe that God chose you. 
He loves you and you've chosen him. So if you've messed up and failed and you've disappointed even yourself, maybe again and again and again and you've fallen flat on your face, so what? So what? Get up and believe that God chose you and he's going to complete what he started. He chose you and he loves you. Read this letter that he wrote to you, right? He wanted you to know how much he always loved you and he wants you to know that he's not going to stop. Don't give up on yourself because he hadn't given up on you. And this morning, he's saying, I chose you to the praise of my glory. That's why I chose you. Get back up. Get back up again and again. He says, lift your head. Get up again. Put a smile on your face because you are loved by the God of the universe, and I chose you. (laughs) Get up. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? And for the Christians that are here today, I hope you heard this. (laughs) You are chosen. Can you feel the confidence that that should give you? The confidence to get back up. The confidence to do the work. The confidence to continue on. To know that God chose you and appointed you to do that work. To do a good work where you can say, God, by faith, because I believe in your work in me, I'm going to allow you to use me for your purposes to your glory. should give us a lot of confidence as Christians. But for those of you that are here today that may not be a Christian, listen, you can be chosen, but the choice is yours. The, The choice is yours. Jesus said, whosoever will may come whosoever will come they can come and i would just say that you're not here by accident today and it's not an accident that i'm preaching this message today he brought you here drawing you to choose him he's put within you a hunger to know him He's put with you, within you a hunger to be in relationship with him. And, and he's trying to tell you today, all you've got to do is listen, receive it, and believe it, and then hope in him. Say yes to forgiveness. Say yes to surrendering your life to him and allowing him to begin the work. Will you be made perfect in an instant? No, but you'll be saved in an instant. And he'll begin a work in you that he says, I will complete. And if you're here today and you've never chose him and you want to do that today and you want to receive him as Lord and Savior of your life, this morning, would you just lift your hand and say, that's me. I've never done it, but I want to make that decision today. I want to make that choice today. Would you lift your hand up and hold it high? Would there be anyone today? Lift your hand, hold it high. Our God's so good, He chose us. He chose you. 
God, we thank you today so much for this awesome reminder of how much you love us today. You don't just love us on Sunday, but it's every day. And it gets more difficult as we walk out of those doors. Here in a moment, when we get in the parking lot, it's going to begin. It's going to get, it's going to get a little more tough. It's going to get harder because this world is not always friendly to our faith and friendly to followers of Jesus. But God, we thank you today for reminding us that you chose us. You chose us for this. You chose us for this purpose. And that's to bring glory to you in this community, and in our schools, in our workplaces, in our families. What an awesome reminder and an awesome privilege to be chosen by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I thank you for the confidence that comes with that in knowing that you chose us. And I just pray that if there be one here today that has never surrendered or committed their life to you, I pray today would be the day of decision that they would understand exactly how much you love them, what you did for them, and that they would make a conscious decision today to choose you. Choose forgiveness. Choose eternal life. Choose the abundant life that you promise us in your word and in your scripture. Is it always easy? No. Will we always get it right? No. Will we fall? Yes. But as your children, we'll get back up. We'll get back up and we'll continue the work that you started in our lives and look forward to the day that you complete it. God, again, we love you so much. Thank you for your awesome and amazing love for us. We'll always be careful to give you the praise and the glory that you deserve, and we don't. It's in Jesus' powerful name that we pray. Amen. God bless you all. I love you. hope you have a great day. Men, don't forget Valentine's Day. It's important.